Whether we're hiking a favorite trail or mountain biking for the first time, one of the benefits of adventuring outside is that we get to move our bodies, but we don't have to run marathons or climb mountains to incorporate some physical activity into our day. When we're eating, sleeping, or hunched in front of our computers, there are still opportunities to move. This idea is at the heart of Katie Bowman's work. She's a biomechanist, a body movement specialist. Katie has written several books, including the bestseller, Move Your DNA, and she's been named one of Maria Shriver's Architects of Change. For decades, Katie has studied the science behind how our bodies react to living a sedentary life. All of her research has led her to some revolutionary ideas about how to stay a bit more active in almost any situation. I'm Shelby Stanger, and this is Wild Ideas Worth Living, an REI Co-op Studios production. Katie Bowman, welcome to Wild Ideas Worth Living. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. We're excited to have you. Right now, a lot of people say movement is medicine. And you're like, no, movement is like essential for just living. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, movement is medicine. That idea is like you could fix yourself, make yourself well through movement. And so, yes, it can be used medicinally, but it's it's more like food. You know, like medicine is something that you take when there is a problem that's arising, which is different than just not having enough basic nutrition in the first place. Like I'm trying to put movement back into the nutrition category, less the medicine category. So on this podcast, we speak to a lot of diehard adventures. So movement is rock climbing and jumping off things and surfing big waves and hiking long distances. I'm really curious to hear what your definition of movement is. Right. Well, it's huge, right? So all those things that you listed, those big adventures are also movement, right? So movement is anything that requires that your body change position. So exercise is a particular type of movement. Physical adventure is a type of movement. Sitting in your chair is a type of movement. Sitting on the ground in a yoga class is a type of movement. There's not really good movements and bad movements. There's just a movement diet. And you have to figure out, because if we talk about adventures, adventure is movement. But one of the things I do like to bring up is a lot of, and this came up maybe 10 years ago, was the idea of like even people out there who are getting regular exercise were almost sedentary all of the other time. You know, we might get more movement than people who don't exercise at all, but there's a lot of non-adventure part of life that if it was done in more of that wilderness setting, fake or real, requires more of those mundane movements. You know, like if you've ever gone camping, not adventure camping, but car camping, just that is more movement, right? You have to set up your house. You have to go wash your dishes instead of just turning and washing them at the sink. You got to go like haul some water. And, and I do think that a lot of people enjoy the wilderness and that time out without maybe realizing that it's because it sort of adds this movement pressure that gets them moving without having to willpower it for something like exercise. For years, Katie has researched and written about how movement influences our health and our longevity. Over time, she's developed a model called SLOTH, It's an acronym that stands for sleep, leisure, occupation, transportation, and home. 
We're pretty much always in one of these places, and Katie has come up with ways for us to move and to stay limber in each setting. Most people don't think about how they can incorporate movement into their sleep, but according to Katie, it can be done. It's like, how do you exercise in your sleep? We're not going to be able to rest. So this is why that broader definition of movement is so important. You know, like if you think about what the body is used to from like an evolutionary perspective, taking rest is really using your full body to get all the way to the ground and all the way back up again, right? Like even just simply to get to the place that you take rest, whether it's sleeping or just sitting, has always been taking you all the way down to the ground. Now, this doesn't seem like such a big deal, except that a lot of people have a hard time getting to and from the ground. Like that's something that people will get physical therapy for, right? The ability, like their hinges of their knees and their hips and their ankles don't fold that way because we've gotten rid of really traveling any distance beyond chair height. We've gotten rid of that in our environments, right? Your chair heights are all going to be just at 90 degrees of the knees and the hips. Our bedding is at 90 degrees or less as beds get taller. And so we lose the ability to carry our body weight, squat it to the ground and back up again. So just resting on the ground, sleeping on the ground. I roll my bed out every day. Um, and it's, you know, it's very plush. It's got sheepskin in it and it's got um, sheets and a nice cushion, you know, like I'm not an ascetic here, but I do opt for lots of pressure. You know, it's a luxurious bed. It's just on the ground and I have to physically set it up and I have to physically put it away just like a lot of parts of the world do every day. I know it's sort of radical here, but it's not unlike the bedding that you set up, you know, when you're camping, you know, it's just like you make a bedroll, a luxurious bedroll, as I said, and then you're on the ground and your body is being moved, you know, like the pressure of the ground, like being pushed on, you know, if I lay on the floor, that's going to press on my muscles in my body is much more like a massage therapist that you want versus getting on a soft plushy bed where there's very little pressure. You know, it's sort of like someone barely touching you in a massage. The floor is not so accommodating. The movement has to come from me. When you're on a big, thick mattress, the movement comes from the mattress. The mattress changes shape and yields to accommodate you not moving. Now I have to move to accommodate the floor. And so for me, again, I use an evolutionary perspective when I look at the body. This is sort of a very normal set of movements for the body to endure for a lot, you know, hours every single day for your entire life. And so I and I did it therapeutically when um, I was waking up with like a headache and a stiff neck again and again and again for years. And then I was like, enough of this, like the stretches that I was given for my neck, you know, I was like, this is looks like what my head would be doing if I didn't have this big thick pillow underneath it. Like, why am I having to stretch it out every day? Okay, I'm going to get rid of the pillow. I kind of slowly went into a lower pillow over time. So I didn't check it out. But I, it took me like 18 months to slowly reduce. And like my shoulders just became more supple and strong. My upper back became more supple and strong. So I did this long transition over years um, to the point where I can sleep on pretty much anything. I'm not much of a camper, but I know plenty of people sleep incredibly well under the stars. Something about setting up a tent, rolling out the bed, the fresh night air, it can be very satisfying to sleep on the ground. 
Katie has taken some of the most fun parts of camping and applied it to her daily life. Now, obviously, we each need to do what feels best for us, but her SLOTH acronym reminds us that there are options to incorporate more movement, pressure, and flexibility into our everyday lives. Let's talk about the, the L, the favorite letter of SLOTH. The leisure. So, so life is kind of leisure for you, but like what, what, what is your leisure? Well, leisure is really specifically the time that you're not working. It's the time that you're not doing other things that need to be done. I feel like my leisure time is smaller, but I mean, I certainly have an hour or two of leisure a day. Like if you're watching TV, that's what you're doing with your leisure time. If you're on YouTube, you know, unless you're doing some research or something, you know, like that's your leisure time. And I just really keep my leisure time physical. Leisure time is exercise. So for me, I'm a long distance walker. Like I like to do 20 to 40 miles in a day. So I do a lot of walking during my leisure time. That's when your favorite exercise session or classes are going to fit in during that time. And then also that's my friend time. So of course, I am always planning celebrations. I'm a huge celebrator. Like I believe that life should be mostly celebration. We do a lot of labor parties in our community. Someone needs a task done and like we show up and it's like, okay, we're replacing this garden today for these people and and all the kids are playing together and we're just hanging out together and there's a bonfire and someone's made some food to share for everyone and this task is that needs to get done is getting done. And so I try to even make our leisure always dynamic. Like you'll, you'll almost never find us sitting inside doing something alone. We're almost always moving outside with others. I just listened to this podcast about making friends as an adult and just getting outside post COVID. And it's hard for a lot of people to recruit friends, get outside and make something like a labor party happen. You know, it takes a lot of conscious effort to gather people and say, Hey, we're going to move together. We're going to do this project together. How do you do it? Oh, well, the thing I recommend first is, yes, having another to move with is so key and it's a good antidote to sort of the isolation that so many people are dealing with right now. Um, like I used Facebook when I did this so many years ago and I was like, I need a walking buddy. I Here's the times that I can walk. You know, I had like little kids and I was just sort of emerging from that cocoon. I had to go to work and I knew my walking time was 5.30 to 6.30 in the morning. And so I just put it out there. You can also text like all your friends and just say like, this is what I need. Is anyone interested in in doing this? And man, the, I only got one response. And that person is still my walking buddy 10 years later. We're in it, right? We walked this morning. It's snowing. And we're like, are we doing this? And it's yes. Like, because she was also looking for it. You're not going to convince people who don't want to move to move with you. What you're looking for is a person who also wanted to do it. It just didn't know how to connect. And then as far as the gatherings, let's say a work party is a little bit more technical. One of the celebrations that we start doing now as we go into winter, when we tend to, like in summer, you're meeting up with your friends. It's nice out. There's so many events going on. You run into your friends. It's the winter time that's more challenging. So we started a soup and sports night because like our kids didn't have as much time with their friends because you're just in the slog of school and work and then it's dark at five o'clock. And so we meet at the park every Wednesday. Everyone takes turns bringing just a massive 
pot of soup. No one else has to bring anything except your mess kit. And then um, we get together and we're outside in the cold. Again, camping. It's almost like camping. We have cook stove out there, a camp stove. Keep the soup hot. And we just play for like two hours. Frisbee, soccer, playing around on the jungle gym in the dark. It doesn't really matter. And it's just like 30 people, 30 people. Whether it's in a park or in a local campground, Katie gathers her community and finds creative ways to move together. If you talk to the people in your life, you might be surprised by who wants to work on outdoor projects, play sports, or go camping with you. After the break, Katie goes through the rest of the letters in Sloth and gives us some advice on how to stick with our New Year's resolutions. Biomechanist Katie Bowman is one of the most prominent thought leaders in the movement movement. Her decades of research suggests that we feel better and can live longer by shaking up our physical habits. Katie has a unique strategy to incorporate more movement into her life. She breaks down her day with a model called sloth. So far, we've talked about the S and the L, sleep and leisure. But the next category is a huge obstacle for a lot of people, occupation. How do you get moving when you're hunched over a computer or stuck in a driver's seat? So when it comes to working at an office or sitting or standing, what are some things that we can do to mitigate the effects of being stationary? Yeah. So, I mean, the big thing is to look at the position. Like when I think of bodies, like I'm a biomechanist. So I think in terms of points and lines and, and, and like the structure of your body and how it's oriented relative to gravity. What does your work position look like? Right. And it doesn't even have to be an office. It could be someone who drives. Right. Like, or it could even be someone who stands all day, a bartender. It's the idea of looking at your job and be like, what is the shape of my body in in my job and then knowing like, okay, think of it as a food. This is a food that I am eating almost exclusively. I am eating this chair-shaped food or this standing or in my car food for eight hours a day, right? So the idea is, okay, well, there's only so many nutrients that you can find in that particular food and you don't need nine hours worth of them. Certainly there's nothing wrong with sitting. Um, It's just that as far as your physiology is concerned and your anatomy, the systems of the body depend on movement to work. And so you have given yourself sort of this repetitive positioning situation. So can you change it? You know, if you sit in a chair in a particular position, can you just sit in that chair in a different position? Like, could you cross one leg over or the other leg or both legs? Um, And then could you just stand more frequently throughout the day without leaving your desk, without leaving your phone or your computer screen? Like, do you, if, if you're reading something on a screen for 40 minutes at a time, your eyeballs will still work if you stand up and sort of, you know, bend over and shift your hips and stretch a little bit. It's the idea of being able to separate the difference between my attention needs to be in this one particular place, my eyes need to be on my screen, and my body can be in a different position, even though my eyes are here. If you're a driver, a little bit different, right? Because you can't, you don't have as much 
freedom with your physical position because you still have to keep your feet on the pedals and your hand on the wheel. But then there's even more subtle adjustments like there are movements that you could be doing with your head that would, you know, align your upper spine a little bit better. Could you tilt your pelvis a little bit front to back or right to left? So it's the idea of ergonomics that I think we're used to pursuing, which is like, just tell me like the best position for being still, which there is none. There's no single position that's going to make sitting in that best position for eight hours feel great to your body. Your body's always going to prefer to move. And so it's just this idea of diversifying your position as much as possible and then making sure you're optimizing the the times that you don't have to be in the chair. Because I do think that's the challenge for a lot of people is they're like, I have to sit down for eight hours a day. And it's like, really? Taking a real critical look at the time that you actually have to be sitting and see what what's malleable in those areas is, is very helpful for sneaking in. Take the minutes. Like that's the other, my other advice is take the minutes. People really discount exercise, right? Comes in 30 minutes, 45 minutes and 60 minute beneficial packages. I say, no, I would say if you can do something for two minutes or four minutes, a walk for seven minutes or 10 minutes, like these are where you're going to find value and you're going to find them pop up throughout the day. Like hours are just made up of minutes. So when you work for yourself or you're working from home, you know, the laptop, it goes up on the kitchen counter, it goes down on the floor in the living room, you know, and you're just constantly able to have a much greater variety. But you do have to work on it a little bit uh, more in an office by, you know, setting up something a little bit more structured. Usually a lot of people don't feel comfortable coming down um, on the ground. In those cases, I really recommend having a discussion with others in your office around movement. So if the solution, when everyone's like, hey, we would like to move more at work, what are we allowed to do? Or what can we come up with in a brainstorm? Can we put a sign up for me? Like, do we do have to another meeting? Like, can we do a walking meeting? Can we go outside? Can, can you just say at the beginning, feel free to not sit there, feel free to fidget. I don't think it's rude if you are on Zoom in some meeting and you stand up and start stretching, like that's fine with me. You know, like we're gonna have to make some adjustments and have some conversations around it or else we're just gonna keep going in the direction we're currently going, which is not the one we want. One of my favorite ways to take a break from working is to have a little dance party. If you're not into dancing, you can walk to the kitchen and fill up your water bottle, sit on the floor and read emails from there, hang from a pull-up bar, or even do some pull-ups every time you walk through a doorway. I think we're all guilty of getting stuck in a sedentary position for hours at a time, but it doesn't have to be that way. One of the most notable parts of Katie's lifestyle is that when she's not at work, she lives in a largely furniture-free house, which brings us to the last two letters of the SLOTH acronym, transportation, and home. Okay, so transportation, you kind of talked about a little bit, you know, move as much as you can. Yeah, it's pretty easy on that one. It's like, it's just like, choose more active transportation. Like, don't drive everywhere. Go some places on foot. And even if it's only part way, if you have kids, start teaching them about moving their own body, especially now it's so expensive to drive anywhere, right? It's so much better for everything to just walk to some 
places, but we've totally gotten out of that habit. Yeah. You know, I actually think the whole e-bike thing has been pretty cool. Um, I just read an article about a, a woman who, you know, she just did her t- first 2000 miles on her e-bike and she said her life has totally changed. She takes the kids everywhere she used to drive, the post office, school, she does on an e-bike. And I was like, okay, an e-bike, you're not totally moving perfectly 100% for yourself, but you're moving. You're outside, you're holding sure. the handlebars. You're balancing. Yeah. You're- That's mm-hmm. a fantastic week. Okay, so home. You have a furniture-free home. It ebbs Something. and flows. Yeah, like our, our our setup ebbs and flows, you know, depending on what's going on. Can you just give us a, you know, the audience cannot see your home, but can you just describe it to podcast listeners? Like walk me through, give me a home tour of your home. Yeah, well, so I'll have to go with, so we've moved a few times. So this is sort of a a blend of multiple homes over the last 10 years. But yes, yeah, so I think the thing that's most startling when you first walk in is our house is not full of seats in that traditional way, like where you're used to seeing couches and chairs. And so we have, we, we have a set of, uh, like taller cushions or puffs, you know, that can become seats, but it's like flexible. Everything in our house is very flexible. So again, my kids might want to take that couch and put it on the porch that or that puff on the couch. Maybe they want to put it up in their room. Maybe they want to stack two and sit 10 feet off the ground. Like they do all kinds of crazy. It's like Lego, but for seating. So wait, for, um, for the audience listening, if, if you don't know what I'm talking about, think of like a large meditation cushion and, and a bunch of those around. Yeah. I have them now, by the way, because I find them so yeah, helpful. Yeah, and like this is another sort of flexible seat. Some are low, you know, some are only one and a half feet high. Some are three feet high. They're all very light though. You just pick up like more like the height of an ottoman. Our kitchen table is low. So we have um, what other people might use it as a coffee table. We would use it as more like a Japanese style table. So you can floor sit and we had stumps around it. And again, or meditation cushions, you know, where people could have low seating supported. But again, you're having to use your joints in a different position than you are every single other chair that you will encounter. Like that's the big reason, right? Like every, if every chair is 90 degrees, your office, your car, everything in your house, your bed, your hips and knees stop going beyond that range of motion. That's it. Like that's all it can, they can do. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to create seats of different heights so that you're never in the same joint configuration. You're always having to get down a little lower, come up from a little lower. And maybe you want to just flop over on one side and stretch your, you know, your waist. And and we've got balls that have really nice wool covers on them. So they look more like furniture, not like a, you know, a gym in your house. Like, and and then those can go at the desk or they can be moved around just if you want to stretch in the middle of the the living room. And then we always have some sort of hanging station. So when our kids were very little, we had indoor monkey bars for them. This little thing that we just built. Indoor monkey bars in your house? Oh, yeah. It was a lifesaver because I live in a cooler weather place where there's snow and weather. And when you have little kids, like kids really need to brachiate. So do grownups. Brachiate is like to hold yourself from your arms. Imagine going across... Um, the monkey bars or just being able to hang from your arms, like it stretches everything between your hands, your fingers, and your rib cage, your breathing parts, right? So you built monkey bars through your house. Yeah. So they their whole room just had these and they were on them and all their friends were on them all of the time. And we had them from the time that they were like one. I've got all this great video of just, I mean, they, they could hang and pull up, you know, when they were one. And it's just something that we come 
ready to do as part of the software of priming your body for it to be physically robust later on. And then we had an aerial silk for a while because we had these big beams. And, you know, so just different things of holding your hands. We've had always a pull-up bar just, you know, in the doorway, just a cheap $20 pull-up bar. And then in our latest move, you can get uh, rock wall holds, rock climbing holds. And we had this beam go across that was just high enough. It's amazing where, you know, like a, a kid will do 80 hangs in a day. I will do 80 hangs in a day, 80 pull-ups in a day, not all at once, not in a workout, just walking through the house. I'm going to go to the bathroom. Guess what? I'm going to hang and and be here for a minute and I'll probably pull up my legs and, you know, and just work on my spine and my core in just a minute. And then I got to, cause I'm not really in workout mindset. Now I got to go to kitchen. I got to go do something else. So by putting it in my life, it catches me all the time. Like, again, it's such a innate desire. If we have kids over, there's just a huge long line up the stairs from littles, from the three-year-olds to the 15-year-olds. They don't, they're all on the same page. That looks, I want to do that. So going into the new year, how can we use movement to celebrate our lives more? Well, just add, add movement into the celebration, like make a list of the things that are important to you and then figure out how to add movement to them, the more dynamic versions of them. So like if you're, if your resolution is to, I mean, just simply eat better. What about picking the more movement rich versions of the foods that you're going to make, you know, make thing, make that amazing thing from scratch because convenience is really undermining our pursuits in all of the things, you know, and so this idea of doing the slower version, which always just means the more physically intense version, you got to chop, you got to grate, you know, you got to clean up afterwards. We always do the gingerbread hike where we will take kids on, you know, it's like a four mile total hike. So this is to your question. And like when they get into the forest, they show up and there's like a fire and there's some nutritious soup. And then there's just gingerbread cookies and piles of candy for everyone to decorate them. And then they hike back out. So it's a way of like doing more community and, and it's like the more nutrient dense version of a holiday celebration, right? Like if you're going to have a cookie, like why not have it outside in the woods or near a park. It's so I just think that people could be more creative in adding the movement and the nature into the things that they're already doing. So this is such a simple thing, but we're doing it. And now we all hiked outside and it just didn't feel like work. It felt like, felt like a party. There are so many ways we can get physically active during the holidays. Last year, Katie wrote an article for NPR where she suggested that people forage for holiday decorations, make candles outside, or stretch while wrapping presents. Making these small changes to our day-to-day lives can have a big impact on our health, both physically and mentally. This winter, Katie has also introduced a movement advent calendar, where every day on social media for the month of December, she's teaching us a new movement exercise. Let us know how you'd like to get outside and move your body this time of year. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, or send us an email to podcast at rei.com. 
Katie Bowman, thank you so much for coming on Wild Ideas Worth Living. It was fascinating to talk with you. My team wanted to let you know that they've never moved more while producing an episode. If you want to learn more about Katie Bowman, you can check out her website, nutritiousmovement.com. There you can find an incredible amount of information, resources, and ideas on how we can tend to our physical body. You can also follow her on Instagram and check out the advent calendar at Nutritious Movement. Also, before we wrap up, we wanted to give a special thank you to KSQM Community Radio in Squim, Washington. We really appreciate your recording assistance. Wild Ideas Worth Living is part of the REI Podcast Network. It's hosted by me, Shelby Stanger. I just went tromping around Central Park in New York, which was awesome. The show is written and edited by Annie Fassler, who's moving this week, Sylvia Thomas, and Sam Piers Nitzberg of Puddle Creative. Our senior producer is Chelsea Davis, and our associate producer is Jenny Barber. Our executive producers are Paolo Motola and Joe Crosby. As always, we appreciate when you follow this show, rate it, and review it wherever you listen. And remember, some of the best adventures happen when you follow your wildest ideas. Mm